0: SECTION 35 OF CHESTERFIELD'S LETTERS TO HIS SON. READ FOR LIBRIVOX.ORG INTO THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. LETTER 60. LONDON, DECEMBER 20th, OLD STYLE, 1748. DEAR BOY, I RECEIVED LAST SATURDAY BY THREE MAILS, WHICH CAME IN AT ONCE, TWO LETTERS FROM MR. HART, AND YOURS OF THE EIGHTH, NEW STYLE. IT WAS I WHO MISTOOK YOUR MEANING, WITH REGARD TO YOUR GERMAN LETTERS, AND NOT YOU WHO EXPRESSED IT ILL. I thought it was the writing of the German character that took up so much of your time, and therefore I advised you, by the frequent writing of that character, to make it easy and familiar to you. But since it is only the propriety and purity of the German language which make your writing it so tedious and laborious, I will tell you that I shall not be nice upon that article, and did not expect that you should yet be master of all the idioms, delicacies, and peculiarities of that difficult language. That can only come by use especially frequent speaking. Therefore, when you shall be at Berlin, and afterwards at Turin, where you will meet many Germans, pray take all opportunities of conversing in German, in order not only to keep up what you have got of that language, but likewise to improve and perfect yourself in it. As to the characters, you form them very well, and as you yourself own, better than your English ones. But then let me ask you this question. Why do you not form your Roman characters better?' for I maintain that it is in every man's power to write what hand he pleases, and consequently that he ought to write a good one. You form particularly your E.E. and your L.L. in zigzag, instead of making them straight, as thus E.E. L.L., a fault very easily mended. You will not, I believe, be angry with this little criticism, when I tell you that by all the accounts I have had of late from Mr. Hart and the others, this is the only criticism that you give me occasion to make." Mr. Hart's last letter, of the Fourteenth New Style, particularly, makes me extremely happy, by assuring me that, in every respect, you do exceedingly well. I am not afraid, by what I now say, of making you too vain, because I do not think that a just consciousness and an honest pride of doing well can be called vanity, for vanity is either the silly affectation of good qualities which one has not, or the sillier pride of what does not deserve commendation in itself. "'By Mr. Hart's account you are got very near the goal of Greek and Latin, and therefore I cannot suppose that, as your sense increases, your endeavours and your speed will slacken in finishing the small remains of your course. Consider what luster and eclat it will give you, when you return here, to be allowed to be the best scholar, for a gentleman in England, not to mention the real pleasure and solid comfort which such knowledge will give you throughout your whole life. Mr. Hart tells me another thing, which I own I did not expect.' It is this, that when you read aloud, or repeat parts of plays, you speak very properly and distinctly. This relieves me from great uneasiness, which I was under upon account of your former bad enunciation. Go on, and attend most diligently to this important article. It is, of all graces, and they are all necessary, the most necessary one. Comte Pertignoux, who has been here about a fortnight, far from disavowing, confirms all that Mr. Hart has said to your advantage." He thinks that he shall be at Turin much about the time of your arrival there, and pleases himself with the hopes of being useful to you. Though, should you get there before him, he says that Comte du Perron, with whom you are a favourite, will take that care. You see by this one instance, and in the course of your life you will see by a million of instances, of what use a good reputation is, and how swift and advantageous a harbinger it is, wherever one goes. Upon this point, too, Mr. Hart does you justice." and tells me you are desirous of praise from the praiseworthy. This is a right and generous ambition, and without which, I fear, few people would deserve praise. But here let me, as an old stager upon the theatre of the world, suggest one consideration to you, which is to extend your desire of praise a little beyond the strictly praiseworthy, or else you may be apt to discover too much contempt for at least three parts in five of the world, who will never forgive it you. IN THE MASS OF MANKIND, I FEAR, THERE IS TOO GREAT A MAJORITY OF FOOLS AND KNAVES, WHO SINGLY FROM THEIR NUMBER MUST TO A CERTAIN DEGREE BE RESPECTED, THOUGH THEY ARE BY NO MEANS RESPECTABLE. AND A MAN WHO WILL SHOW EVERY KNAVE OR FOOL THAT HE THINKS HIM SUCH, WILL ENGAGE IN A MOST RUINOUS WAR, AGAINST NUMBERS MUCH SUPERIOR TO THOSE THAT HE AND HIS ALLIES CAN BRING INTO THE FIELD. ABHOR A KNAVE, AND PITY A FOOL IN YOUR HEART, BUT LET NEITHER OF THEM UNNECESSARILY SEE THAT YOU DO SO. Some complacence and attention to fools is prudent and not mean, as a silent abhorrence of individual knaves is often necessary and not criminal. As you will now soon part with Lord Pulteney, with whom, during your stay together at Leipzig, I suppose you have formed a connection, I imagine that you will continue it by letters, which I would advise you to do. They tell me that he is good-natured and does not want parts, which are of themselves two good reasons for keeping it up. But there is a third reason— which in the course of the world is not to be despised. His father cannot live long, and will leave him an immense fortune, which in all events will make him of some consequence, and if he has parts into the bargain, of very great consequence, so that his friendship may be extremely well worth your cultivating, especially as it will not cost you above one letter in a month. I do not know whether this letter will find you at Leipzig, at least it is the last that I shall direct there. My next either to you or Mr. Hart will be directed to Berlin, but as I do not know to what house or street there, I suppose it will remain in the post-house till you send for it. Upon your arrival at Berlin you will send me your particular direction, and also, pray be minute in your accounts of your reception there, by those whom I recommend to you, as well as by those to whom they present you. Remember, too, that you are going to a polite and literate court, where the graces will best introduce you. Adieu. God bless you, and may you continue to deserve my love as much as you now enjoy it. P.S. Lady Chesterfield bids me tell you that she decides entirely in your favour against Mr. Grevenkopf, and even against herself, for she does not think that she could at this time write either so good a character or so good German. Pray write her a German letter upon that subject, in which you may tell her that, like the rest of the world, you approve of her judgment, because it is in your favor and that you true germans cannot allow danes to be competent judges of your language etc end of section 35 read by professor heather and by for more free audiobooks or to volunteer please visit librivox.org